0: you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your anointing, God. Who feels his anointing in this place? Where God is, anything can happen. That's where you got saved, some of you, in an environment like this. We didn't all end up like this here. Listen, most of us here were never raised in church. A lot of people were, but a lot of people weren't. And it was in this environment where souls get saved, hearts are changed, focus is given, purpose, eternal changes happen in these environments. So hang on to your hats, church, because I have a word for you. Are you going to allow me to preach it? And uh, I I feel like just closing my notes because I feel like that is in me, it's in me, and I just pray God will help me to communicate the season that we're at. Uh, Paul is away today; he is preaching in Swindon, which is near Bristol. So he will be back next Sunday, and uh, um, he drives back this evening, and then. Um, yeah, just I, you know, when the presence of God is like this, I feel like sitting down. Because who exactly do we think we are? I'm like, really? Am oh, I really going to have to speak? But I am going to speak because I feel it's God-given. Thank you, worship team. You're an absolute blessing. Um, it's, been a, it's been a challenging week, weekend for me. A good weekend, but challenging. Um, and I just want to just explain a few things as... Um, Yesterday, there was a team of people that went to Eccles Festival, and uh, thank God for those in, that went to Ac- Eccles Fair. We had an evangelism team, then we had a booth, and, uh, and that's where we were able to, to highlight what Victory Outreach is doing. And then also, we had um, here, we were recording announcements, and they were here for, I don't know, four or five hours. Here, the gang and some of the team, and, uh, and then I was uh, a friend of mine, Leslie Sutton, went on to be with the Lord, and, uh, and it again was a bittersweet situation. Leslie was a mentor of mine. She was a mentor for 10 years, and um, she, was, she pastored uh, Baptist Altrincham Church with her husband for 30 years. And so when they came out of pastoring, they, they started gather movement across the world, and the Lord brought her into my life. And, you know, she'd been walking with the Lord 40, 40 plus years, but also it. So she came alongside me, her and her husband came alongside me and Paul. And she was instrumental. You know, when somebody gives you life, the things they say, it's priceless. You can't put money on it. It's not like going to a counselor, although counselors are okay. But it was Priceless what she gave me. It was eternal. It was like a light in the darkness. And we said goodbye to her yesterday, and it was a really beautiful, beautiful service. Till her last breath, it was cancer that took her. And, and people thought she she lost the fight for cancer. But let me tell you something. She won the fight. She won the fight. Why? Because she crossed over, even though she was ravaged with cancer in her last days. You know, a week before she well, it was actually two weeks before she breathed her last breath, she was serving up to her last breath. She messages me on her deathbed and 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 she says, she said these words, I don't know why I'm still here, but how are you doing? I'm praying for you. How's Thomas and Lily? How's Paul? And if you want an example of people. No matter what happens to you, you can't control what happens to you. Let me tell you, you can control your response to it. And her response to what happened to her was selfless. Until her last breath, she gave of her life. And I honour Leslie Sutton today. (coughs) I honour her life. I honour her family. And it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So... So I'm going to be speaking on Jericho, the door of hope today. Now, the reason this message got birthed is because when, I don't know if you cast back, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before, that he spoke on the Jericho decision. Anyone remember the Jericho decision? Okay, you online, do you remember the Jericho decision? For me, there was... (laughs) Good, I'm glad you remembered that. You're directing our home. So I'm glad you're making the right decisions. Um, I really believe that that was a prophetic message. And if you have an opportunity, go back and listen to it again. There was a time in this church when that message was being preached, it was silent, but not silent because people were not listening. It was like a holy moment. And there is a window and there is a door, and there is an opportunity where your decision and my decision are going to be very, very different. But I ask you this question today, what is your Jericho decision? What is God challenging you in your life? I know what he's challenging me, although I had to think about it because you know, we do a lot of jumping up and down and, yeah, good message. And, like, yeah, my last breath, I will praise you. We sing a lot of things. We do a lot of things as Christians. But really, when the rubber hits the road, really, will you do those things? Really, until your dying breath, when you're riddled if you had cancer or something, would you? Praise him with everything within you. And I, and I believe that that message for all of us was a window, an opportunity for people to make necessary changes in your life. And that's what I'm going to speak to you today about. How do we make decisions as Christians? Is it the same way as the way that decisions are made in the world? And we're going to look at that And then we're gonna look at how the children of Israel, when they'd crossed over before Jericho, the decisions they had to make, and how they made those decisions, and why they made those decisions. Because let me into you a little thing. We read the Bible, but they are people. They had feelings. Sometimes we look and it's like, yeah, they took the land, and then they moved over the Jordan, and then they did this, and then they went and did this. They're people, they have feelings they have families, they have children. They go through exactly the same, just a different time, different land, and they fought actual battles, meaning they could kill people. I want to kill you, (laughs) which actually might be slightly easier. I don't mean that. But do you know what I mean? Because you can actually see an end to things. So they actually had real battles and real strongholds that they used to take people's heads off. So in a way, the spiritual battle now in the new covenant is different because we don't see our enemies, really. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. We fight. There is a there is a war going on. If God was to turn his light on right now, of the spiritual battle, you would fall off your chair and it wouldn't be the spirit of God. You would roll on the floor and you would be in shock at the, the, the war that is going on for your soul. There is a spiritual war that has been going for From beginning of time and it is a battle for your soul and so therefore once you're born again of his spirit the battle changes the tactic changes why because you're born again so what does he do he starts to throw darts he starts and Paul spoke about strongholds how are strongholds built they're built by by darts thoughts being thrown and then and then situations and circumstances being compounded trying to say that that's the truth of what's really happening. And you have to battle day and night, day and night in this war. Because if you don't, you become indifferent and apathetic. And I want to carefully say that one of the reasons why the Israelites didn't enter into the Promised Land was to do with apathy, indifference and hard-heartedness they stopped hearing the voice of God. I have another question for you. When did you last hear the voice of God? And what did he say to you? You may say back to me, does God still speak today? Well, the Bible tells me that he says his children will be led by his spirit. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says he desires honesty in your inner parts, wisdom and truth. That tells me that his sheep will know his voice. Who are his sheep? We are his sheep. It says you will know his voice and it will be like a breath. Gentle, never contrary to his words. And it will gently speak in your inner being, not in your emotions, not in your mind, but deep within your inner spirit. God Will whisper to you through his words he will speak through you the decisions we make today are gonna affect generations to come if we don't understand that then the decisions we make we won't be that bothered about without vision people perish without revelation meaning what God has shown them They perish. They cast off restraint, meaning, I couldn't care less. Whatever. That sort of indifference attitude. And the root of it is unbelief. I'm going to take you on a little journey about what happened to Joshua and the children of Israel. I'm going to cast your mind back. So let's think about Joshua for a minute. And then we're going to go into the main bit of the message. Joshua had been serving Moses for 40 years. Think about how old you are. Anyone in here that's over 40, raise your hands. Okay. Well, we are quite a young... Well, So you're all under 40 years old. Raise your hands if you're under 40. Wow. Who says church is not full of young people. Wow. Joshua was serving Moses for 40 years. He he was his assistant. He was his aide. He was his servant. And in some translations, he was his worshiper. And that means that he worshipped God so that Moses could fulfill the call. It reminds me a little bit of Pastor Anthony. Worships God so that brings in the presence of God so that Lifting up the hands of the senior pastor for this season. And, and, you know, Joshua was alongside Moses. So if you're 40, you know how it feels to be 40. You're quite old. Well, I'm 50. Okay, who's over 50? Oh, hallelujah for the 15-year-olds. Come on now, you don't look 50, you look great. So we're coming into our prime... Ask 50-year-olds. That's right. So Joshua, they reckon Joshua was, was around about 70 or 80 years old when he took over the leadership of Moses. But if you've been walking alongside someone for 40 years, how do you think Joshua felt when Moses died? What do you think was going on with Joshua? So his, his leader had died. He, hadn't, he wasn't the senior leader. And all of a sudden... The Lord said to him, I want you to arise. He gave him 30 days to grieve his friend of 40 years. He even gave the men that he crossed over, the families crossed over to grieve their family, gave them 30 days. You've got 30 days to grieve. Imagine someone telling you that. And then I want you to arise. I want you to get up. I want you to go in and take the land. And and the word arise means... the, the song we sang strengthen it's not it's not a physical thing it actually means not in your convenience he said to Joshua arise go in and take the land for I will be with you but by the wording that God used for Joshua you can tell Joshua was fearful he says do not be discouraged do not be dismayed do not be frightened I will be with you So Joshua must have been going through quite a lot of stuff at that time when he was taking the leadership. And then then they crossed over the Jordan, even though he must have been grieving, he still had to rise up and lead that generation. Listen, guys, no matter what we go through, there is a mission and there is a calling and there is a purpose. And even when we're hurting and we're grieving and we've all got stuff going on, that we still have to rise and take our places in whatever place that might be for our lives. Then the Bible says that he said to Joshua, gather the men together, I'm going to, I want to circumcise all the men. Now let me give you a little bit of a background without going into too much details about circumcision, so the men don't wriggle about in their chairs. Well, circumcision should have been done at eight years old. For the whole time the Israelites were in the wilderness, God said, Don't circumcise them. You know why? Because he broke his covenant with them. Can you imagine what it feels like to have God break the covenant with you? It means he's taken his favor off you, he's taken his provision off you. He's like, Nah. That's what he did. So he said, do not circumcise any of the Israelites. But when they would crossed over into the promised land, he said to to Joshua, get some flint knives. (laughs) I'm going to pause there. So I just feel like pausing there. Stone flint knives. (laughs) And bear in mind, these men are 50 and 60 years old. They're meant to be circumcised at eight. Eight days old, sorry. So don't get me wrong, that must be very painful too. But I think it's a little bit different when you're 65 to be <laughs> circumcised. But when you look into circumcision as to why God circumcises, it's because it's the most personal, most intimate place of a man. And that's the covenant that he makes with us. is the most personal vulnerable, intimate place. The only place that our God should have is that intimate first place. Nothing else should take that place but God. Those men, it said in the Bible that stay where you are, do not move in the camp until you are healed. And that word healed means Whole, it means revived, it means restored, it means so you can see again. Do not let those men move until they are healed. Do you not think for one minute that those second generation were not affected by their parents that were hard hearted and grumbling and complaining? which is the root of unbelief. Do you not think that God saw that and said, do you know what, I do not want this transmitted into this new season? And so then he said, I want, and Joshua was probably like, why now, God, are we going to circumcise all these men? They even called the hill the hill of foreskins. <laughs> I thought that was great. You don't want to trip over that hill. it was at the place also of Gilgal, which means to roll off, roll off the reproach of Egypt. Why did he say that? God wants to roll off the reproach of Egypt. And I'll tell you why. Because God wanted to remove the cynicism. He wanted to remove those those things that came from the last season. And he does that. It's a spiritual thing, you know. So now, he talks about the circumcision of the heart, and he talks about the circumcision of the ears in Jeremiah. That's heavy, you know. Circumcision of the heart and the circumcision of the ears. Why does he do that? Because it affects, when your heart is hard, it affects what you hear. The word hard is a word called scolios. And it actually comes from the thing where you have the curvation of the spine. When you have a hard heart, you have a bent perspective. So everything you're hearing is warped. I ask you again how are you making your decisions? Because if you have a hard heart, you can't trust what you're seeing what you're hearing, what you're hearing. The Lord has to circumcise our hearts, all of us. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me too. I'm preaching to me. I would not give this message unless God had been doing it in me first. I live this. It's something I've gone through. I've gone through seasons of loss. Many of us have. Seasons where everything changed. Seasons, imagine Joshua, everything changed when Moses died. Different people, different circumstances, different feeling, different everything. He could have said, oh, I'm not having that. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But the Lord said, arise, arise. You know what it actually means, step onto the scene? Oh, I love that. It, it means, it's a word called kum, step onto the scene. This is your time. It's a time where God is saying, are you going to step up onto the scene? Regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of what you feel, regardless, and I'm not negating people's pain, because I could probably sit down and we could both talk about the stuff we've all gone through. But God didn't do that with Joshua. He didn't say, let's sit down and talk about it. And let's pat each other on the back and have a cuddle. Arise go in and take the land and he was hurting he didn't have to be circumcised Fium! that's what he probably did Fium! I already had that done he didn't have to go through that pain because Caleb and him and their generation got circumcised why because they were the only ones that came in and the God's covenant was with them so how do we make decisions let me just and I'm not going to take too long so if you are a normal person, which we are, we're all normal. Well, I'm looking out and you're not normal. I'm not normal. We're all a bit unique, a bit strange. And that's why it makes up the body of Christ. Because we're all very, very unique. Um, I'm not even going to go to my notes. Forget my notes. Pointless speak looking at my notes. How do we make a decision? So before you become a Christian is you make decisions based upon information, based upon goal setting, based upon opinions, based upon senses, based upon where you want to go. And you make your decisions based on all these things brought together. And so that will give you your, where you're going. When you become a Christian, we don't make decisions by our senses we don't make decisions by our feelings and we don't make decisions by what this world dictates to us. We make decisions upon the word of God, the spirit of God and godly counsel. It says we wage war with godly counsel. A way seems right to man but it leads to death. What is right? Oh well this is right. It feels right. Let's do this right. It's okay. It's all right. It feels like it. That's why here a cross as a child of God, it isn't about what you feel. It isn't about what you see. It isn't about what you hear. It's about being led by God. And when he has spoken, all those things come into play. The feelings, the senses, the, 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 everything gets furnished around the place based upon the obedience So when you obey, everything gets moved. And not the other way around where you move everything and then you're like, it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your paths. Commit your way to him and he will do it. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. The Bible is clear. Lay your request before God and the reply will come. Wage war with godly counsel. Why does it say wage war? Well, why are we, we're waging war against the flesh and the spirit. The Bible talks about having been skilled in the word of righteousness to be, be able to distinguish between soul and spirit. To become mature, when we'd be able to step back and go, Do you know what? What is this, God? In the light of His word, in the light of His spirit, what is this? To distinguish between soul feelings, oh, it feels so good, and spirit. God operates by His spirit, not the soul, not the senses. And when we mature, we we incline to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We discern the seasons and the times. We incline. We recognize when our hearts have become hard. How do we recognize it? Like the children of Israel, we become cynical. We become grumbling. We become grumbling and complaining. And it happens to every one of us. What do you do? When that happens. Number one, recognize it. Number two, ask God to heal you, to cut away your scoliosis so that you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, so that he can direct your paths and lead you. Why do I believe that he circumcised these men? It's because he wanted them to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to be open, because he was about to tell them, go and walk around the walls of Jericho. I mean, that was crazy. If you've ever studied about the walls of Jericho, they are like, from there to here thick, and then taller than this building, probably low taller than this building. You're not just talking about a little brick wall. It is like, these walls cannot be taken down. And the Lord just wanted them to trot round the walls. It's a spiritual thing. The walls are a spiritual thing. What you're going through is a spiritual thing. It looks natural. Why? Because we've got no giants in front of us to slash their heads off. Listen, but it is the same in the spirit. We have the sword of the spirit. Why? Because we war with it. Because we divide with it. He's given you the keys of the kingdom to bind and to lose, to take authority of your household, of where you're at. Everywhere I go, I take authority in the name of Jesus and I bind the spirit that is in operation in this environment and I loose the holiness of God. I loose the power of the Holy Spirit in my household, my poor children. I bind and I loose daily. I take authority. Why? Do I think I'm super spiritual? No, because I'm in a war. I am in a war against the, the, the spirit and the flesh. And whatever you feed, you've heard it before. This is not rocket science. You're eating loads of food and watching loads of rubbish. If you're, if you're spending most of your time doing fleshy things, sexual immorality, whatever else is in there, gossiping, da-da-da-da-da-da. Let me tell you something. You've lost the war. The enemy just walks right past you. (laughs) There is a war, my friends. Just because you can't see it, we're in a war. And the only way, the the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in pulling down strongholds. Take captive of those thoughts and command them into the obedience of Christ Jesus. Crucify the flesh. Pick up your cross and deny yourself. Then you will be my disciple, says the Lord. Holiness, sanctification. My identity is in Christ and Christ alone. We need to be preaching Christ Crucified. He, I don't live anymore because he died for me. And I've not always been this way, I've built to this. Through seven years of cancer, I warred for my life. I warred for my life. To not have my leg removed. Consultants giving me diagnoses of not living, and not being in a wheelchair for my life. But I want to say to you, the Holy Spirit said something very different. If I'd have gone with what the world told me, I wouldn't be in this situation right now. That's just one situation I could give you countless. And each time, he's brought me to a circumcision. And i tell you what, there's been some stuff that's needed to be cut away. And the thing is, is I've been willing That's what it takes, a willingness. It's a willingness to acknowledge where we're at, be humble enough to do something about it, and then respond to God to cut away. God, I'm not seeing right. I'm not, I'm offended. Many left Jesus because they were offended. Blessed are those that are not offended for my namesake. Why does he say that many, many, many people walked away because they were offended? Because they didn't like his teachings. Why? Because he told them the truth. You know, he doesn't mess about with people pleasing. You know, he doesn't mess about with all this sentimentality. He came with a sword, even with our family members. He's a jealous God. He comes with swords. Believe it. Anyone that comes in the way of God, you wonder why your world is being shaken. Well, maybe you have something in front of God and he's allowing shaking because he says, I am the one true God. I am the one and I am a jealous father. And he will go after you. He will go after you. Whether it be money, whether it be a job, whether it be food, whether it be whatever, a a husband, a boyfriend, a child. Oh yeah, I will go there because i have seen many people make idols of things like that when they get what they want jesus takes a seat over here that radicalism is like a little tiny flame where did they go what happened oh well, they got what they wanted and jesus got put over there until crisis happens "I need you, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I'm sick." He tells us the truth. We've all done it. We've all been there. And the, the thing is is Jesus shouts the loudest in your pain. Don't let it get to the place where you're in so much pain that you need to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Heed now. Yield now. Come under him now. Don't allow crisis to be the thing that directs you because it will happen and many of us have experienced it. So the circumcision, the hill of foreskins, visualize it. Gilgal, rolling off. I found that really funny, sorry. It just was all a little bit too... Close to home. <laughs> Stay in that place till you're healed, said the Lord. Stay means lodge. Be still. Quiet in your soul. Oh my goodness, the loudness of our souls. Be still. Yield. Step back. Stop putting garbage through your soul. Fast, seek God. Hear His voice, and yield to Him. It says in Hebrews 3:8, "Do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness. This is why they didn't enter in because of the disobedience. Why did I call this message a message of hope, Jericho of hope? Because I really, really believe that we're going into a season. Of hope we're going into a season in this next season and it's not hope that God's gonna fix you it's not hope that God's gonna give you a husband a wife or a baby or whatever all of those things are they're nice they're part of the blessing but at the end of the day the only hope that you can fix yourself on is eternity and whether you like to hear that or not it is the truth eternity is the only hope where you're not gonna get disappointed. The only hope. So Jericho was a door of hope, why? Because they'd entered into the promised land and they were gonna have to fight giants themselves, but they were eating off the land. You know they'd been eating the same thing for 40 years. Imagine if you lot had to eat the same thing for 40 years. What would happen to you all? What would happen to me? I think I would fast a lot more, would you? I'd have a chosen fast. I'd be fasting of what I'm eating every day. I don't don't want to eat this. No wonder they grumbled and complained and wanted more cucumbers and things. 40 days. And then they went in, and the day they went in, they crossed over, they ate off the land. You know when you obey God? You know when you... You move with the Holy Spirit. You know, when you get beyond sentiment and social Christianity and feelings and when you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something, he's going to bless you anyway. All those things that you desire are all part of it. See, people say to us, oh, you needed to get saved because you were a drug addict. You needed to be fixed. Listen, Jesus isn't about being fixed. Jesus is about eternal life. That's what Jesus, and along the way, he'll fix you. The addiction will be healed, the depression, because he is a father that cares for us. It's all part of it, but it's about allegiance. And allegiance means that come hell or high water, you don't go, oh, I've had enough of this. Bye. And I'm not even talking about churches or anything. I'm talking about your devotion to God, your allegiance Whatever happens to you, you're on the winning sides. God doesn't promise us tomorrow. What if you died today? He doesn't promise us tomorrow. We need to know who our allegiance is with and who we serve and why we serve him. Like Misha, the ones in the fire, whether you deliver me or not, I'm going to serve you. That is the mentality that we have to have. And I know it's hard teaching. I know it is, but I want you to hear the truth, and I want you to be fed meat and not give you bits of milk with baby bottles. Come on, babies, let's give you a little drinky booze, because that's all you can handle. It's meat. This church is a mature church. We've been through some seasons, guys. We've been through losses. We've been through valleys. We've been through mountaintops. You know, at one point, we were up to 800 people here. You know, we've been through so much stuff. And the the thing is, change change will happen. Let me tell you, it's inevitable. Welcome to life, guys. Rhythms of change. Get used to it. Because that is real life. Changes happen. This world will give you trouble. It does. But God overcame the world. You have to get used to Change. You have to know how to embrace change. I think Paul uses this thing. Learn to embrace change before it grabs you around the neck. Because change is inevitable. It happens. What's important, and I'm coming in for a close if the worship team want to come up, is obedience and how you make your decisions. We don't make decisions like the world makes them. We make decisions on the Spirit of God, on godly counsel, on fasting, on prayer, we wage war, not just with our friends, we wage war with godly men and women that will strategize with us, that have walked 10, 20, 30 years, and not just 30 years of Christianity and they're all resentful and hurt, but men and women that are still pliable, still open, still, still fragrance, still living, responding, That's who you wage war with. It's crucial who you wage war with because it says there is a way that seems right to man that will lead in death. The heavy scriptures, heavy scriptures in Hebrews, it says, encourage each other daily that we will not become hard-hearted because the sin in this world is moving quick. You know we're hearing that our, our electricity—it's going to go up to this amount and that amount. I bind that fear in the name of Jesus. You're not in the currency of this world. If you're, you're, if you're a child of God and you invest in the kingdom of God and you give yourself to the kingdom of God, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Why do you worry about that stuff? We don't have to worry. But that's not our world. We're aliens. We're pilgrims. We're not of this world. So why are we speaking like people of the world? We're of the kingdom of God. God is the one who provides for us. God will make sure you don't beg for bread. God, we don't, we don't have to fear, my friends. We are men and women of faith. Yes, we acknowledge what's going on. We're not, we're not going to become, you know, not have sympathy. But we have to be sure of the God we serve. He's the same God. He was back then. He's the same God today. And I challenge you. How are you making decisions? Don't let this last two years or three years, the pandemic and everything that happened and loss and change. Don't, don't, don't be somebody that makes decisions based upon the world. you know what the Bible says about that? The people that are friends with the world are enemies of God. I want to be an enemy of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be somebody that God can trust. I want to be someone that lives it, that speaks it, and even if I'm sometimes on my own, and I am, and sometimes misunderstood, and sometimes I don't have loads of friends, I'm actually quite a nice person. I'm quite fun, but my calling is more important, and I love people. But I have to make decisions sometimes. that leaves me alone. It leaves me leading alone. Joshua had to lead alone, and sometimes he's going to ask you to do things that is—you're is, not going to have everyone around you tickling your ears and giving you a little pat on the back. He's called, causing us to rise, rise out of your inconvenience, rise out of your sentiment. Rise out of your feelings. Rise out of your fears. Rise and hearken to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because if you today do not be like the people in the wilderness that did not obey the voice of the Holy Spirit and that didn't enter in through the Jericho door of hope, because the Lord wants to do great things in this next season, But you have to be prepared to allow God to to circumcise your heart. Therefore, then your ears. Because you will, when I was hard-hearted, you can stand with me. I share with you when I was hard-hearted. It was in the pandemic. And a couple of things had happened. And again, nothing was personal. I I honestly know that at the end of the day, nothing really is that personal to you. Um, That's what I have learned. We're not the most important thing in this world. Think of others more highly than you think of yourself. I suppose in a way I was humbled, and that's okay too. But when I was hard-hearted, and I was in pain, and offended, and you know, everything, anything anyone said to me, it was like someone was sticking their finger in my wound, and going, mm, So people were saying normal things. They were just having a normal conversation. It was like, and I would go to Paul, well, that was personal. And he'd go, you need to sort yourself out. (laughs) Paul is bottom line. Let me tell you, he don't put up with any emotional nonsense. He's bottom line. Go and sort yourself out. What's the matter with you? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not in a good place, God. I'm not in a good place. My heart is hard. I've become cynical. I'm not seeing right. It was wonky, wonky donkey. It's wonky donkeys. And my perspective was off. And you bleed, you No know, wounds bleed. So thank God for me, the pandemic, you know, contains me bleeding in my house. But I want to tell you that there came a day, why? Because I continue to go to God I say, listen, take this out of my heart. Heal my heart. Cut away the pain. Cut away the hardness. I'm not hearing you.
1: I'm hurting.
0: I don't want to see like this. I want to tell you that a day came that God cut away that hardness in my heart. and I could breathe again. I could see I felt like the Lord lifted me and he said, Okay, Vicky, look. Now look, look. And the walls look different. The people look different. The church looked different. My children even look different. <laughs> I was different. Because God had done a surgery on my heart. And you can the reason I can speak about this stuff. It's because I've come through it. It was a year and something ago that I came through into a new place. And God did a new thing in me. And so it's different. I see different. And I'm sure there's other battles. But I'm not out of that place. It's like a scar. I know it's there. I've got scars. But if you went like that, I don't feel anything. In fact, I, I believe God gives you spiritual amnesia. Sorry, Lord. I don't remember stuff. Maybe it's the menopause, I don't know, yeah. who knows, but I love it, so someone will come to me and say, do you remember, and I'm going, uh, I don't remember it, I remember something about it, but I don't remember it. all the details, remind me, and then when they start speaking I'm going, actually no, actually you no, know, you're picking my scar, get up, and I go, no, 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 it's okay, it's a new season, it's cool. It's nothing. I don't have anything. Because it's my walk with God. Your walk with God is so crucial to your future generations. Lift your hands in this place. Lift your hands to God in this place. Oh, Holy Ghost. You are a faithful God. I know, Father, for... for it's, It's spiritual stuff isn't it God? Sometimes we struggle with your language. We, we want a different language, a different word. Oh but God, you want the truth. You want to feed us some food from heaven. You want to give us f- food that feeds our spirit and not our flesh. You want to cut away, roll away the reproach of Egypt. You want to do a new thing, God. You want to circumcise the hearts of your people to hearken to your voice, oh God. It's a spiritual thing, Father, and you know, you know how you do it. You know how you do it. Only you, God. Only you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's worship him. Lift your voices. Come on, church. Start to worship. Don't wait for the musician. Just come on. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.